from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights, second hour of the show. This is really the time where we could just have some fun. I mean, I know we saved that for the third hour, too, but the second hour is a lot of fun, and the first hour is a ton of fun. Actually, if you miss any of the show, do me a favor. Go into your phone, go into your app section, or however you download it. Look up Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. This would be your, uh, not your apps, this would be in your podcast section. Wherever you get your podcast, look up Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Super easy to spell, and I promise you, you're going to love all the stuff we send your way. Hey, leave us a good review, too. Can they do that? Yeah. Do it if you can. Star us high, leave us a review. Great. Let us know you're out there. I didn't even know that was a thing you could do. Leave us a review. Absolutely. All right. uh, That is, of course, the voice of Matt Butler. Matt, welcome to News Roundup. Good to be here. Good to be here, too. All right, so News Roundup's a fun thing we like to do every night. We like to look back at all the other shows, find out what they were talking about, and then we just get to chit-chat about it, and uh, it's fun for us. But first, we're going to pay off that trivia clip we played earlier. A lot of you got this on the text line, which means that either your sense of humor is very good or you're just extremely lucky, good guessers. Uh, but this movie, I think this movie's hilarious. It is uh, It's not very pc these days. Like, it's very, very not PC. There's just no way that this movie would get made today. But when they made it, like, 10 years ago, whenever it was, it's still one of those movies that everybody talks about. They go, oh, man, I wish they still made movies like this. It's yeah. fantastic. All right, I'm going to play the clip for you. Ready, Matt? Ready. All right, here we go. Work on those tears, my man. All right, yeah. Say it for me one time. You make me happy. Happy. Love you, buddy. All right, you want to take a guess? I can see the I can see the quizzical look on your face. I, I you don't know quite it's have it. Matthew McConaughey, but the name of the film I am not remembering. Okay, so the other guy, I'm going to give you another hint. The other okay. guy on the other side of that phone call is Ben Stiller. Does that do anything for you, Ooh. McConaughey and Ben Stiller? And I know I've seen it, but I, the, guarantee I can't seen think it. of the title. All right, Tropic Thunder. Ooh, have you? Isn't that a great movie? Yeah, just okay. fantastic. Yeah, so funny. I actually turned it on the other day. I was, uh, I think it was after the show. Maybe it was the weekend. I don't know when it was. It doesn't matter. But I see it there, and I was just like, yeah, I'm going to watch Tropic Thunder. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. It's still so funny. Yeah. Just so, so funny. I'm trying to think of all the actors in it. Ben Stiller, uh, Robert Downey yeah, Jr., yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Robert, uh, Jack Black. Just a amazingly cast. funny cast. Great cast. Tom Cruise has this unbelievable cameo in it. He <laughs> plays a, a studio head yeah. who just has like one of the funniest – scenes in movie history he's just mm-hmm. a funny guy he's he can act he can uh, he can run we all know he can run from mission impossible but he's also a great dancer uh and he shows it in this movie all right let's get to it seattle's morning news a bill to use drones to combat graffiti it sounds very futuristic. I like it. Let's hear about it. On a vote of 96 to 1, the bill that would one day deploy drones to combat graffiti moves to the Senate. House Bill 1989 is sponsored by Republican Representative Andrew Barkas, who was on Seattle's Morning News to explain why he's taking on graffiti. In order to cover graffiti, we have to send out a crew, usually seven, eight people, in a high lift truck to paint over it and everything else. There's new technology where a drone loaded up with the paint they send the drone up. Two guys can sit in the truck, operate the drone, paint over it so they can keep after this quicker and get it covered quicker. In addition, Barkas's bill would use current Department of Transportation highway cameras to identify and prosecute graffiti as malicious mischief, a misdemeanor tied to community service. We're spending over a million, almost two million dollars a year 
to deal with this, and it doesn't seem like we're dealing with it at all. So if we can find cost measures to do it more effective uh, and get it done, I'd love to see it all covered up. If it comes back, cover it up again and just keep doing it, and people will finally just say, you know, all right, we're, we're losing the battle on graffiti on the, the people that are doing the graffiti, and we're winning the battle by cleaning up our cities again. Barkis, who also sits on the Transportation Committee, couldn't tell me if a city is currently using this technology right now, the drones with the spray paint. He said he knew of this technology and can't wait to get the bill passed. I did a Google search, and two people in San Jose did win a tech competition in 2017 inventing the Graffiti Removal Automatic Drone. At the time, the mayor of San Jose said using it would save the city millions of dollars. Needless to say, we're tracking the inventors down to ask more questions. Do you, do you, do you think this is a good idea? Oh, I think a, it's a great idea. A paint drone. I like it. I, I'm struggling to figure, I have, do you ever, have you ever flown drones? Uh, no, I know people who are really yeah. into drones though. So I have a few drones. Yeah. I've, I, I have a bunch of, my, my father-in-law got really, we got really into um, remote control airplanes. Yeah, yeah. A few years ago. Yeah. And so we have, and then he just like, once you start him on a hobby, that man just jumps in. Feet dives first. In. Yeah, he yeah. just dives right in. He's just like, he's ready to go. So every week he'd call me up. He'd be like, hey, guess what? I got another plane. He'd like send me a picture of like, and he's buying like massive planes. Like we started out with these really small planes. It started one Christmas back before I had kids. Yeah. Uh, they bought me a small remote control plane mm-hmm. and my in-laws did. And I was like, oh, this is really fun. This is cool. And I all my life dreamed of having a remote control plane. Yeah. So I thought it was really neat. Really small. The wingspan on this thing is probably only about 14, 15 inches. And then... He's like, well, I want to get one to fly with you. So I was like, great. And so then the following week, he's like, oh, I was at this uh, uh, model expo show and I saw this really cool plane. So I went ahead and picked it up. And they just steadily started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now I think the biggest one that we have, I think the wingspan is somewhere around 12 or 13 feet. Yeah. It's just massive. He keeps at this. He's going to need a hangar. We do have a hangar. Oh, really? Yeah. No, we do. Yeah. We have a hangar that we keep all these planes. It's just like we have a ton of these things now. And then he started buying drones. He's like, oh, we got to get drones. They're not quite as fun to me okay. because planes, you can live the fantasy of flying Right, a plane. like you feel like you're piloting. Yeah, I feel like probably what John Travolta feels like when he's flying a real plane, mm-hmm. you know? Like maybe not as cool, yeah. but I, I, like, I understand why John appeal, Travolta wants yeah. yeah, I, I, and then I get to pretend like I'm flying this plane. It looks super realistic. Uh-huh. Drones are just kind of... They're just drones. Like there's no there's no imagination that I that I tie to it. I don't think to myself, oh, I could like imagine myself in that drone. Yeah. Well, I guess with drones, it's kind of the other things that you can do with them. Like if you're a photography buff, yeah, they're cool adjunct stuff. But just flying the drone itself is probably not that fun for a lot most people. The cool thing about the drones, like we have one that you can actually put on these goggles that connect to your phone, and then you can have the drones POV. So you can you can get the sensation it makes it wow. makes me throw up. On yeah, it I bet that makes you nauseous. Makes you so sick. But you yeah. can get there and you can like put your headphone, you put your goggles on. It's super realistic look because the camera's on things. It's things your eye up. in the sky, like your the Alan Parsons sky. project. And song. you can just go zoom and just go straight up. Yeah. You can fly all around, and it's just there's something very off putting about it. I think it's yeah. just the motion sensor or something. Yeah. That this, uh, it's not natural. Not good yeah. for me. But a paint drone, I just how much. Like how much paint? The the thing yeah, that I'm the thinking. Yeah, capacity, right? Paint's, paint's very heavy. Like yeah. you've seen a oh, five gallon oh, bucket I've of paint. paint buckets. Yeah, I know. Yes, yeah. and so when you imagine how much paint they would need on these overpasses and things Surfaces like that, that big. Yeah, it would. It would. Huh. I would be surprised if it would actually be cost effective because I feel like you'd be spending so much time flying the drone back. You know what would be cost effective? To have the drones patrol 
and then use paint pellets and shoot the people doing the graffiti and right. mark them. Matt, then that's pick the them up. First best idea you've ever had. Thank you. Just <laughs> shooting these bad guys with paintballs. Yeah. It's not tag like, them. They're not tag killing them. them or anything. They're yeah. just like shooting them with paintballs. You end up ironically get covered in paint yourself. Yeah. It feels like the punishment fits the crime. I think so. That's a good idea. Poetic justice. Yeah, that's way better than painting the walls. Send somebody out to paint the walls. I still think this is probably a long way off. This feels like kind of pie in the sky. Uh, I don't literally. know if a, uh, literally. I don't know if a drone is going to be able to do this. <laughs> the weight paint is so heavy. Paint, especially that kind of paint that like needs to be outdoors all the time. Right, and lasts weather. All the time. Yeah, very very heavy. All right, uh, G and Ursula, they were talking about Travis Kelsey addressed something uh, with Andy. Oh, this is when he, like, smashed into Andy Reid, I think. Yeah. All right, let's hear about it. Travis Kelsey right now is addressing his controversial Super Bowl conduct with his own brother, Jason Kelsey, on their podcast. The broadcast showed you having a heated exchange with Coach Reid. <laughs> so heated. Yeah, where it looks like uh, you caught Big Red off guard a little bit. <laughs> As he said, I gave him, I got him, I got him with a cheap shot. People are all over this, and I, I mean, I get it. I can't. Yeah, you, I, you went, you went, you crossed the line. I think we can I, both I, agree. I, I can't, I can't, I can't get that fired up to the point where I'm bumping coach and it's getting him off balance and stuff. When he, when he stumbled, I was just like, oh, my head. Or even, like, I mean, man. even, I mean, let's be honest. The, the yelling in his face too is over the top. I think there's better ways to handle this retrospectively. Yeah, I, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm a passionate guy. No, this is terrible. No, 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 no. This is awful. Your brother obviously gets it, and you still don't get it. You still don't get it. So this is awful. I don't even want to talk about this no more. Okay, well, wait, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. I mean, <laughs> okay, so this, you know this is awful. Okay, let's let's pull the curtain back for a second because this is the first time I've heard that apology or that that explanation. Yeah, I'm actually hopeful. No, that, hopeful. No, no, yesterday, no, that was terrible. Yesterday, I, I still think he has work to do. Check out. What I wrote on mynorthwest.com. I, I went into depth. Well, uh, what do you think about this? So, so basically, the story is during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Travis Kelsey was apparently upset. He was not yeah, happy with the him. play he series that was yelling called. at his coach and he's all into him, yeah. excited and he goes over to address these issues with his coach and he fl- comes flying in and on camera it looks like Travis Kelsey's kind of like almost chest bumping his coach yeah, yeah. and there's a still shot. It's not a good still shot. Of Travis Kelsey looking very fired up. Oh, yeah. And kind of yelling in Andy Reid's face. And Andy Reid is standing there kind of staring straight ahead. It almost looked like the setup for a meme. And Andy Reid is staring straight ahead, looking at his clipboard and also watching the game. And he's got this, like, giant man screaming in the side of his face. (laughs) It's actually a really good basis for a meme. You could type out a lot of things on top of that. Oh, I'm already seeing them. Oh, okay. So so what do you think of this? Do you think his – do you care about this? I mean, a lot of people are trying to make it into a big thing. Like, oh, if he has this temper, if this, these are the qualities he exhibits, the traits he exhibits, then Taylor Swift should be worried about how he behave in a relationship. I'm not sure you can extrapolate it that far. I think he's a passionate player. He felt like his team was falling behind. He really wanted to see a victory, and he let the let the emotion get the best yeah. of him. But I also think that he doesn't sound, especially in that clip, he doesn't sound like he fully recognizes the gravitas of his position. Yet, he's sort of... Above I, it, I, I I feel like uh, they Gene Ursula seemed pretty uh, pretty passionate about this story. Oh, yeah. This is one of those stories that I just have a tough time caring about at all because yeah. it's a game, you know. Like the NFL is a game. This is not real life. You know, people getting very upset about this. Like football players get really ramped up. They, they get do. really excited. So he's excited. He's running down the field. He's excited, and you know, You're, like well, it's indoor. Your adrenaline is totally. maxed out. Yes, You're, yes. 
I was talking high to, alert. I was talking about a, a friend of mine uh, asked me about this. He goes, "What do you think about this?" And I was like, "Eh, I don't know, <laughs> like, whatever." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, uh, "He goes, well, I can kind of see why he did it because you know they teach kids who play football from a very young age to get really." you know, amped up. Yeah. I mean, you need to be, you need to have big hits. You need to make great catches. You need to run the fastest you've ever run. Like That's what makes the games exciting. That's what drama. makes it exciting. And so, you know, to turn it off when you get to the sideline feels kind of tough. Right. It's and really hard to turn it down. Feel, I don't know. I, like, I think people are, I think people are extrapolating it too much about his character as a person. They're making too much speculation out of it. And I would also say though, that do you think Kelsey's becoming because of his fame and the Taylor association kind of becoming a little bit of a diva? Do I think I, I? How could you not? I mean, he's getting paid millions and millions of dollars for all these ads. Everything he does is now scrutinized under a microscope. Everybody's watching every single thing he does. Yeah. Yes, of course. But like, I think that would happen. It would happen to me yeah. if like suddenly the world cared about every single thing that I did. Yeah. And every time I went out with my wife, they took pictures and said like, "Oh, isn't this amazing? These are the most amazing people in the world. You should care about them so much." Mm. Then yeah, I would feel like yeah. I had like you know the Midas touch. It's re- it's really hard to be humble at it's, that, at that well, state, yes. status yeah. level, especially when you're winning Super Bowls year yeah. after year. It'd be tough, It'd be really tough. But I also just don't care because I don't care about Travis Kelsey and I don't care about Taylor Swift because they're not part of the Seahawks and I hate <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs because they won and we didn't. And that's how you should feel about sports. Nobody should like these guys if they're not part of your town. You should not like them. All right, uh, Jack and Spike, dealing with depression, Jack Stein has a coping strategy. Let's hear about it. What I learned is that my depression is actually my buddy, and that's he's my buddy who says, you don't got to go to work today, dude. You can hang out today, and you don't even have to shower, my guy. Like you, We can just lay in bed for like the next like seven or eight hours, and then like we'll get DoorDash, and like you don't have to do anything. If you- Who's this guy? I missed the first part. Who's this guy who's wanting to just lay around and take a shower? He's referring to his depression as his buddy, his oh, constant like a companion, or because his depression gotcha. is always with you. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. This make, that makes a lot more sense. You don't want to, and then I have to say, nah, dude, I got I to gotta at least... You gotta at least go to work today. That's I. That's what I. I know that you're trying to help me out right, right now. Right, by you're backing me. You got my back. You got my back, buddy. Uh-huh. But what I'm gonna do is I gotta go to work, and if I go to work, I gotta take a shower, right? And mm. so that means I have to do these things. You have to recontextualize. So whatever my depression buddy wants to do, I do the opposite. Does that make sense? A perfect sense. So yeah. depression buddy says, "Hey man, why don't you just get like you know, those big pints of tapioca from from Whole Foods? Why don't you just get like seven or eight of those and just eat all those all day while you watch uh, reruns of uh, <laughs> Mori Povich, <laughs> Mori Povich, or whatever, right? Like or watch old YouTube videos of when Bob Barker was the host of The Price Is Right. Oh, and I gotta nice. go. This is what I gotta do. I gotta go. That's a great idea." But I also need to do this today, right? Okay. So what, I, okay. it's not antagonistic. It has to be relational. I use it. And so because of that, when you change the context of the relationship that you have with depression, all of a sudden it becomes a discourse rather than this burdensome or onerous entity. I... Uh love tapioca yeah i am lactose intolerant so i cannot enjoy it if Mm. somebody knows where i can get a lactose free tapioca i would greatly appreciate it because when i was growing up i know that's not exactly what i should have taken away from that discussion (laughs) i think it was a serious discussion about depression but i'd like to focus on tapioca for a second i love tapioca pudding it's so so good it is those little uh whatever those are those little the little tapioca beads beads or balls whatever they call tapioca balls 
They're so delicious. And I don't know what they are, but they're kind of like a jelly yeah, or something. Yeah. So good. I like it. And too. you know what? Like if I was feeling depressed, I'd eat that tapioca. Yeah. That would make you me lift feel your good. spirits. Lift yeah. my spirits. Like when I'm when I'm feeling a little blue, mm-hmm. been a long week. Maybe I'm feeling like uh, you know Jake works so hard. I need somebody to care about me. Uh, I go home and I eat a pint of ice cream. Yeah, and I love it. Yes, lactose free ice cream, which I just found out. My wife found there's a new brand of lactose free ice cream that has real flavors. Before there was just like two or three flavors of lactose free ice cream. You can get like vanilla and you can get chocolate, and that was basically it. Right. And now she's found this new world of cookies and cream and mint chocolate chip and things that I couldn't eat before. That I'm very excited about. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's a Ain't great science thing. grand. How do you pick yourself up when you're feeling blue? My, <sighs> mine is food, obviously. Yeah. I like to eat food. Mine is comedy. Old cold comedy shows, reruns, just binge watching some Seinfeld. Oh, yeah, for or sure. Or some MASH yes. or something like that that's classic, that's got a tone that's warm and familiar that makes you laugh. Yeah. You know, and Jack has a point, too, because sometimes it is. There are times when I have not done things because I dread them or because my voice is like, you just don't want to go out. You don't want to do anything. You don't even want to move. But I found paradoxically, and this doesn't always work, but sometimes just by virtue of making your yourself do the one thing the rest of your day actually goes better like i'm glad i got out i'm glad i checked that thing off my list so sometimes forcing your way through it can actually work you know what's interesting i i'm i'm uh, i count myself blessed i'm not a person who has ever suffered from uh depression right and i know that there's people who have clinical depression yes i am among them oh you you're on i I actually am diagnosed so there's people who have to take medication you understand that i do i have had friends who have had to take medication for for depression and you know it's a very difficult thing to deal with it's a it's a battle it's that constant dialogue it's totally but i wonder how much um you know like jack was talking about there Getting up and getting the things done that you need to versus this kind of desire to just, oh, I'm going to laze around and, and hang indulging out. It. Indulging it. Yeah. Indulging it instead of like, all right, I'm going to embrace, like, does routine really help with you? Like, if you just set a routine and go like, all right, I have to stick to this routine. Yes. Routines are hard to establish, but once they are established, they have made things a lot easier for Because me. then that's kind of like a bridge over depression. It's maybe. like with cleaning, where you're so depressed and you don't do anything, and then you're looking around at your surroundings, your apartment, going... This is awful. This is insurmount. This is a mountain of stuff that I have to deal for with. Sure. As opposed to establishing the routine. So then you come home and you hit the weekends like I routinely got stuff done. I can actually relax. Yeah, and you're things not just around me catch are up nice. All the time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. All right. Uh, you know, that's a really positive, nice way to end. And we're out of time anyway, so we should end it there. Matt Butler, uh, thanks for hanging out, man. Always a pleasure. All right, this has been News Roundup. We got a lot more coming up on the show. Stick around, we're gonna be right back here on Kyra Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I wanted to share a uh, portion of a conversation I recently got to have with a very, very dear person in my life, Suzanne Monson. Her husband, Dory Monson, was my boss for many, many years. And not only was he my boss, he was like one of my best friends. He was a mentor. He was like a big brother to me. I didn't have a big brother growing up. I did have a big sister who was wonderful. I love you, Stacey. You're a great big sister. But I always dreamed of having a big brother. And so I got the opportunity to have somebody like Dory in my life who really did feel to me like a big brother. So that's a relationship I got to have with him. I was his producer for about eight, nine years. Once we stopped working together, the friendship thing still went on. And we used to play cards together. Uh, We would go out to dinner with our wives. It was wonderful. 
As many of you know, 13 months ago, Dory unexpectedly, very tragically, passed away. And now Suzanne is working with the Shoreline Fire Department. She's actually put together and organized this event. And it is to honor Dory. And it is a free CPR class. Women are highly encouraged to join. It is a free CPR class and AED class. It's going to be Sunday, February 25th at Shoreline College. It's going to be from 12 to 3 p.m. Space is limited. Pre-registration is required. Uh, you can go to shorelinefire.com slash events to learn more about it. So because this event is still uh, out there, I really wanted to replay some of this audio for you. And so here is part of my conversation with Suzanne Monson. Some of the things I want to share are um, about how our family has been working to adjust to our loss. Um, and so I I told you that I had a passion after Dory died. And and this month makes a lot of sense because February February is American Heart Month. Yeah. And, um, and it's been 13 months since uh, my girls and I lost Dory to a sudden cardiac arrest. And that is still incredibly vivid in my memory. And it's so surreal to me. I mean, every, yeah. hearing you say it, every time I think about it, it's just one of those things where you just go, I, I can't believe I can't believe somebody as mm-hmm. big as Dory is not with us right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I know there's others in your audience who've gone through this. And and so I, I can empathize with them. And um, like your audience members who've struggled with this, our family has learned so much about the suddenness of cardiac arrest and and so tell yeah tell me about this event like what yeah. what is the event yeah so um we are working with the Shoreline Fire Department and we have a partnership with um, Lake Forest Park Rotary and um, Acorn Catering um, and it is a free hands on CPR AED class and I'm specifically inviting women because in my research I discovered that a men are more likely to suffer from sudden cardiac arrest. It's been true in my family too. Yes. Yeah. And um, and then B, women don't get the same opportunities to be trained in it. And what's kind of um, interesting to me as well is that when a woman suffers from cardiac arrest, both men and women are often reluctant to jump in and start CPR because of the whole you know, oh, can't go there, can't, can't be touching touch that yeah. that region of her body. And so women are more likely to die oh, from really? cardiac arrest. Just because, mm-hmm. yeah. Even though men are more likely to be stricken with it. But um, CPR can double the chances of survival. And while we were not blessed to have survival after I did CPR and the incredible paramedics and first responders from Shoreline Fire did their job and took him to wonderful care at Northwest Hospital. Um, He did not survive. And so that always nagged at me because when the the firefighters came in and the the ER docs came out to talk to me, they they literally high-fived me. And in my head, I was thinking, who wouldn't do anything they could to save someone they loved so deeply? They were high-fiving you because you actually tried CPR. Because I tried CPR. and they, Which is not common. I, I didn't realize it wasn't common. Dory wow. and I had to have training every year because we were both coaches oh, at Shorecrest right. High School. Yeah, And so I sort of just took it for granted. I also worked really closely with a friend of mine who's a teacher at Shorecrest, Cami Pratt. She teaches a class in Introduction to Healthcare Careers 
all of her students become CPR trained. And they would go through training on how to talk to a 911 dispatcher. You wouldn't believe the number of people who call 911 and just get tongue-tied and waste so many seconds, valuable seconds. Completely, but it makes sense. Yes. I mean, it's like you're, you're in a situation where you're probably in shock. Yeah. You don't even, you're not processing what's going on you around can't you. Think so about to your give sur- the information yes. that they need yeah. doesn't get come those, natural. No, no. And um, I do believe on that night that, um, you know, my faith tells me that God was with me. My cell phone was in my hand. I called 911. I pulled his big body off the couch, started those chest compressions. And while I'm calling, I'm I'm pushing really hard. And the 911 operator was cheering for me. And, and then amazing. I broke one of his ribs. And she said, add a girl, you're doing it right. And I just, I was in such shock, but I kept going. And I want other women to feel that level of empowerment. I'd love for men to feel it as well. But just because it's something that happened to our family and knowing how valuable it is. um, That's unbelievable. You know, Dory and I would say we would share with our girls, um, live a life of no regrets. And so live to your best. But I would have regrets when my life is over if I didn't try to help other women and men. Um do this so that they could save someone they loved. All right. That was my conversation with Suzanne Monson. The entire conversation is actually available. If you download the podcast, go to Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Go back onto the uh, uh, Valentine's Day and go to the 9 p.m. That's the third hour. At the start of the 9 p.m. hour, I play the entire conversation that Suzanne and I had. And we got a chance to sit together and just talk for like 20-something minutes. It was really great. She's such a wonderful communicator. She's just a really lovely soul. It's just a pleasure to have her around. Um, And knowing Dory and knowing her... It makes perfect sense that they were they were such a beautiful couple for all those years. Um, all right, so that was my conversation with her. Again, if you are if you guys are interested in signing up for this, I really truly believe in this. Uh, I think that CPR is a great thing, and you know if you have a chance to save somebody's life, don't you want to be prepared? Go to shorelinefire.com/events, sign up for this, and uh, uh, go on February 25th. Check it out. It's going to be February 25th. 12 to 3 p.m. All right, we got a lot more coming up on the show. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim. Welcome back to Kyra Nights. All right, earlier in the show, I told you guys about a little story that had to do with... Sex! Now that I have your attention... You don't have our attention. Money! (laughs) Sex and money. Uh, It actually was about sex and money. There was this mom in Florida. She was on OnlyFans. The private Christian school that her kids attended kicked the kids out of the school because the mom was advertising her OnlyFans account on the back of her car. She didn't want to take the decal off. They wanted her to take it off, the decal, not anything else. Uh, in fact, they did not want her to take it off, the anything else. They did want her to take the decal off. But this mom uh, said she wasn't going to, so she started parking across the street. 
uh, from the school, just walking her kids into the school. I guess that wasn't quite enough. And the school said that uh, if she and, and apparently kicked her kids out of the school, which I don't know. I don't I don't I don't like that. I don't like they got told the kids they couldn't be there anymore. But they did say, hey, if you take the decals off your off your car so it doesn't uh, become a distraction here at the school. And if you stop making pornography, we will consider bringing your kids back to the school. You may have an opinion about that. Uh, and you can share that with me if you want to on the text line, 888-973-5476. But this is not that story, but it is an OnlyFans story. This is the second OnlyFans story of the night. This one's a little interesting, though. I mean, the last one was interesting, too, and that one was kind of uh, far away. That was in Florida. This one hits a little closer to home, kind of, in a roundabout way. Do you guys remember the strange case of Rachel Dolezal? Well, her story just got a little bit stranger. It has to do with OnlyFans. I'll get to that in just a second. But just give you a little background on Rachel Dolezal. Back in 2015, there was he- national headlines that went around the world. She was everywhere, Rachel Dolezal was, because uh, Rachel Dolezal, who was a, uh, let's see, what she was in, an African-American studies professor here locally at Eastern Washington University. She was also the head of the NAACP chapter in Spokane, Washington. So she's kind of a local girl, and at least she was teaching here locally. And she was then, her picture was splashed around the internet, everywhere. And there was something a little bit peculiar about her picture, kind of strange. And then it came to light when her parents gave an interview that indeed she was born to white parents. And so people were wondering, how did this black lady, how was she born to white parents? And then she was accused of faking being black. Here is uh, some audio of her at the time when this story came out. This is back in 2015. She went every, she even wrote a book. uh, I think, I think the name, I'm going to botch the name of her book, so I won't suggest it here, but she wrote a book. You can look it up. Rachel Dolezal. She wrote a book. But she was on some various news organizations, including Today's Show with Matt Lauer before he got canceled. And she was asked, if you were born to white parents, then are you faking being black? And how does that work? Would you identify yourself as an African-American? I actually don't like the term African-American. I prefer black. And I would say that if, um, you know, if I was asked, I would definitely say that yes i do consider myself to be black i was wondering if uh if your dad really is an african-american man that's a very i mean i don't i don't know what you're implying are you african-american i don't i don't understand the question of i did tell you that yes that's my dad let me just ask you the question in in simple terms again because you've sent mixed signals over the years are you an african-american woman i identify as black so she says that she identifies as black uh she eventually did admit to being born to white parents there are pictures of her online she has very uh light colored hair she has very white skin she's clearly a white person Uh, Well, anyway, she went down to Tucson after this whole thing kind of blew up and she was uh, no longer teaching at Eastern Washington University. Uh, I don't know if she's still associated with the NAACP in Spokane. I don't believe she is. Um, She then went to Tucson and she is now teaching or was until recently teaching at an elementary school in Tucson until the school discovered that she had an OnlyFans account. We're back to the OnlyFans 
The school sent this statement out to families. They said, yesterday afternoon, we received information that a Sunrise Drive employee, Sunrise is the elementary school where she was teaching, had an OnlyFans account, which had content that was contrary to our district's, district's staff social media use and ethics policy. That person is no longer employed by the Catalina Foothills School District. So Outkick, which is a website that was looking into this, Outkick <clears throat> did some digging and they found some payroll records, which did show that uh, Dolezal indicated that she was making $19 an hour working at this elementary school. And then they also went online to the OnlyFans page and found that she was selling, according to this website, she was selling you know, monthly passes under a website for whatever they do on OnlyFans for $9.99 a month. So clearly that was enough information for the school to part ways with her. And what she does from here on out, who knows? But uh, she has a knack for getting back into the news. So uh, you know, I would say there's a good chance we hear from her again. All right, we got a lot more coming up on the show. And I promise that's the last OnlyFans story we will do for the night. Maybe. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. 